is finished. Jesus uttered these words on the cross moments before he died. The Gospel of Mark tells us that at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Luke tells us that darkness fell over the earth. And Matthew tells us that there was a great earthquake and the rocks were split open. And then silence. Silence is deafening, is it not? And in this case, the silence for many signified that it was over. Jesus was dead, and for many, so was the hope that he brought to them. Silence. Nothing. Just mourning, broken hearts, not knowing where to turn. It is finished is a powerful, powerful phrase. And many people believe that when Jesus said, it is finished, the movement died with him. The disciples scattered, fearing for their lives. No one knew where to turn or what to do. Scripture tells us later that the 11 disciples had gathered together in the room, more than likely to try and hash out a plan moving forward. How are they going to navigate the crowds? How are they going to answer the questions that are sure to become? What's our next PR move? How are we going to go out and we are going to sell that the movement that we have followed is over? How are we going to explain that to the masses? For them, it is finished, changed everything. And they were right. But they were also wrong because their interpretation of it is finished meant the end. But it is finished wasn't the end. It was just the beginning. Because on the third day, the women went to the tomb and they found it empty. Jesus wasn't there, and not only that, he was alive. Mark says that the women received word from an angel. Luke says that there's actually two angels, that he was not there, but he had risen. Then they rushed to tell the eleven, and Peter jumped up and raced to see for himself. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and went home marveling at what they had happened. Now, I talk a lot about Peter because Peter is one of my favorite characters of all time. And I try and put myself in Peter's stead, put walking in Peter's shoes. And I can just imagine after Peter sees this, like this marvel is not like, oh, wow, what happened? I just imagine Peter just kind of walking down the street with a smirk on his face thinking, he did it. He really did it. You know, can't you just imagine that? Or, if you know anything about basketball, the famous Michael Jordan shrug. You know? I just imagine Peter's just like, man. So this series we have titled Last Words. And in this we have focused on Jesus' last words leading up to the Christ. The last few days of his life leading up to the cross. But those weren't the last words that Jesus ever spoke. And so today and next week, we're going to spend our time looking on the last words of Jesus between the time of the resurrection and the ascension, the time that he ascended back into heaven. And in that time, we're going to see that he gives us words that give mission to move forward, 
Words to bring hope. Words that will change the world. In Luke 24, verse 13, it says, There were two men walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And what he tells them here, what he reveals to them here, is going to hopefully change all of our viewpoints. Let's pray and we'll dive into this. Heavenly Father, I ask that this word that you share with us today is open to our hearts, that we understand the things that you are saying in this, the words that you speak to these men in these stories, that that they speak to us in new ways, Lord, that they speak to us and we begin to apply them to our lives. Because, Father, you've already won the battle. You've won the war, and victory is in you, and we want to live in that. So we want to take those words that you teach us now to live with you. In your name we pray. Amen. So like I said in Luke 24, verse 13, we see two men walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. The, Emmaus is about an eight-mile journey to the, to the north-northwest of Jerusalem. So he's walk, they're walking home along the road. And as they're walking, they are talking. They're discussing everything that they had seen happen. Everything that they'd been witness to in Jerusalem, they are discussing that. And they don't fully understand the events that happened. How could they? They had followed this movement, and then it ended. And they're like, what was that all about? Where did that go? What happened? We, we, we don't understand this. But as they were talking and as they were walking, Jesus appears and began to walk with them. So let's look in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. And see what happens. And it says that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven to eight miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So they didn't know that Jesus was walking with them. It was just a person that was walking with them. They a stranger. They didn't know it was Jesus. Verse 17, as he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, this is Jesus saying to them, what things? So they said, they responded and said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who, had, who said they, he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So they tell Jesus what happened. Jesus responds and he says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? He's saying it happened. It had to happen. In verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Their eyes were kept from seeing that it was Jesus himself, and he asked them about the things that they're talking about. 
And when they answer, and they don't answer in the way that says they fully understand what happened, Jesus gives them the answers. He says, are you slow to understand this? Why, why don't you get this? It's right in front of you. And this is what happens. He responds by reminding of the scriptures. And so Jesus brings several things in these, these, these hours and days immediately following the resurrection. He brings several things that we can take and apply to our lives. And the first thing that Jesus brings here is Jesus brings confidence in the word. Jesus brings confidence in the scriptures, in God's word. He says in verse 25 that they were slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. So here's the deal. The word is God's word. It is God's breath, God-breathed, inspired without error, and it gives us a roadmap for our lives. And the entire Old Testament lays out everything that was going to happen to Jesus. Exactly in prophecy how it was going to happen. And he says, are you slow of heart to believe all that they had spoken? Because these men had believed the prophecies about the Messiah's glory and was going to come and save, um, save the Jews and, and save Israel and be the king of the Jews. But they didn't believe that he was going to have to go through all the suffering. They didn't, under, they didn't believe all of it. They didn't see, they didn't understand it all. I see, Scripture, as you read Scripture, many things about it are hard to understand. They're hard to fathom. But what happens here with these two men happens to us as well. The more time we spend in communion, in relationship with Jesus, the more our hearts are open to the full scriptures and our understanding deepens. These men had just studied what had been said, but they weren't living in this relationship. And so what they do is they, they like what this man is saying. Remember, they still don't know it's Jesus. They like what he's saying. He says, and he continues on in Scripture, and he says he's going to go further. And they stop and they say, Jesus, why don't you come to dinner? Come dine with us. Stay, the, stay with us. And so as they're having dinner, and they're still talking with Jesus, he breaks the bread and blesses it. And as soon as he blesses it, their eyes are opened to who he really is. Can you imagine that moment? Like, like my kids like to watch these shows where like people will, will dress in disguise, like, like famous people, they'll dress in disguise and then they'll go and they'll do, you know, they'll, they'll spend a day with people. And at the end, it's kind of like an undercover boss thing. And at the end of the day, they reveal who they really are. And the people are like, I had no clue, no way, you know. These guys were like, Jesus is there. And then he vanishes. Like as soon as he reveals himself, he disappears. And don't you know, they're like, whoa, where'd he go? It says in verse 32, Luke 24, verse 32, after this has happened, Verse 31 says, And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? 
The scriptures were revealed to them. They came alive right in front of them. Jesus revealed himself, and they went from discouragement to excitement. They saw that what the, the scriptures had said had come true, and they could have confidence in that. They went from a loss of hope and drive to a yearning to be a witness for what they had seen. And that's the next thing that Jesus brings. Christ had become alive to them, and they couldn't wait to tell others. Jesus brings us life so that we can share it with everyone around us. Jesus brings us life so that we can share it with everyone around us. And if you look, after they said in verse 32, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened uh, to us the scriptures? And then in verse 33, and they rose that same hour and returned Jerusalem, to Jerusalem. They raced back to Jerusalem. They could not wait to go tell the 11 what they had seen. They were so excited. Not only had they heard that the tomb was empty and that Jesus was alive, they had now seen him in person to know that it was real. And they raced back to Jerusalem. Everything they had read had now been revealed to them, and they needed to bring encouragement to those that were in mourning. But when they got there, they found out that the news had already gotten to the disciples. And in fact, it says that he'd even appeared to Peter. We're going to get to that in a minute. As they were talking, can you imagine the buzz in the room? If you were in here about 1020 this morning, there was a buzz in the room. Those kids were going through those eggs and discovering what they had found. And this room was a buzz. Can you imagine the buzz and the, the, just the, the roar in the room as everybody's like, well, I heard this. No, I heard this. No, he's here. He's here. You know, you know, think about that. If you've ever watched the news in the immediate aftermath of a national tragedy, um, 9-11, for example, there was a lot of different rumors that were being thrown out all over the place immediate, in, the, in the hours immediately following. There's another plane coming here. There's a bomb here. We've got to evacuate here. I imagine that this is what's going on here as they're discussing, they're talking, that it's, it's, there's rumors, there's facts flying, things are trying to be sorted out. Pick it up in verse 36, and it says, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. They were frightened when they saw him, because Jesus is there. And he quickly calms those fears. Because he also brings peace. Jesus brings peace to our lives. I imagine that this is one of the most gentle times that Jesus was with them. He knows that they're afraid. He knows that it's hard to believe that this happened because the other Gospels talk about how the doors were locked. Jesus went through the wall. Not only did he just disappear from these two men in Emmaus, he's now appearing in a locked room. He's gentle with them. He shows them who he was. And in that peace that he brings... He also brings assurance. So as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened, 
thought, they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and he showed him his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, they were marveling. He said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from them on high. So Jesus brings peace. Jesus brings assurance. This assurance he brings is that he is who he says he is. They believe they're seeing a spirit. They believe they're seeing a ghost because the doors are locked. And he walks through the wall and appears. But then they see the scars from the beatings. They see the holes in his hands. They can touch him. And they see him eat fish. It shows that he was flesh and bones. It shows that he was not a spirit, not a ghost. So he brings assurance that he is who he says he is, and then he brings understanding. Just as he did with the men on the way to Emmaus, he opens their eyes to the understanding of the Scriptures. He had taught these men the Word for years. They had been his, by his side over and over again as he taught and taught and taught the things that were to come. And they were never fully able to understand what the Old Testament was saying about him, about who he was and what he was to do. And it was only now that they fully caught the meaning of what he had taught. Now, when I was a school teacher, I spent about four years teaching school. One of my favorite things was when a student who struggled with a concept had the light bulb go off, and they got it. It was a cool moment to see them struggle with something, and then, bam, the light bulb goes on. And they begin to understand it, and so many times as I sat there with them and watched this moment happen, they looked at me, and they're like, I can't believe I didn't understand this. It was right there in front of me the whole time. This is so easy. It just took, the, took finding the right way to open their minds. That's what Jesus does here. In this peace, in this assurance, and in this understanding, Jesus shows the right way to open our minds to understanding the scriptures. And the only way to have our minds opened is through Jesus. They had a relationship with him but it was when he decided to open the understanding that they understood. The more we dive deep with Jesus, the more we get into his word, the more we get into the scriptures, as we grow more mature, as we move from spiritual milk to food of substance, 
more is unveiled, more is revealed to us and understood. And that's where I want to turn now. Because the only way we can get this understanding with Jesus of the scriptures, of what's to come and what's happening, is through a relationship with him. The little line in verse 34 that's very easy to miss. It says, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Simon is also called Peter. The Greek of Peter is Petros. The original, the rock. Dwayne Johnson stole that from Peter. This is the man who in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus looks at him and says, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you want that put on your life? Like, that's something big to live up to. Not only, like, just the pressure of that. The church is going to be built on me, and then the gates of hell are going to attack it and not be able to prevail. But we see throughout the Gospels that that there's this really special relationship. This really intimate, personal relationship between Jesus and Peter. And so as we look at this whole thing, Jesus has just resurrected and he's appearing to different groups of people. It is no surprise that in this, these moments that Jesus, with his relationship with Peter, would appear to him individually. Because Jesus brings personal relationship to each one of us. Peter's just the example. Jesus had warned Peter that he was going to deny him three times And even though Peter protested, Jesus was right. Right? He said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter said, no, I would never do that. That's not going to happen. And then he did. Jesus' words came to fruition. Peter's probably freaking out when Jesus appears to him. Because this is the first time they've been one-on-one since that happened. And if you've ever had to face someone that you've wronged right after, it's a pretty scary proposition. He's probably ashamed. He's probably scared. Worried what Jesus is going to do. Even though he knows Jesus very well. We don't have much record of this appearance to Peter other than the mention of it happening. It just says he had appeared to Peter. What this shows us, though, is no matter what we've done, no matter how we have denied and betrayed Jesus, he will always bring us back into fellowship with him. It doesn't matter what our past is. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what the same things we've said. Jesus will bring us back into fellowship with him. Because sin separates us from God. That's the whole purpose of the plan of redemption, was when the fall of the world happened in Genesis 3. We were separated from God. And he set into motion this plan to redeem and restore and bring us back into fellowship and communion with him. Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. On the cross, when Jesus is bearing the sins for all, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
there's a separation between you and your God. And that separation bought, brought death. Paul tells us in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Up to the point of the cross, you would die because of your sin. We were under the covenant of law. And when Jesus went to the cross, and that was the punishment for violating law. But when Jesus went to the cross, took those sins to the cross in death, and then three, on the third day rose again to defeat that death, he got, brought the new covenant of grace, the covenant of forgiveness, the free gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Jesus is never far away. And his death, his burial, and his resurrection brings us back into fellowship with him. And that's why this verse 34 is so important. Because Peter, one of the men closest to Jesus in his life, had denied him. And scripture tells us that Jesus made a point to go and be back with Peter. One-on-one. The relationship meant too much to Jesus. Acts 17, 27 through 28 says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Jesus is right there for us. He's right there waiting for us, close by. We just have to ask and seek. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens my door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Fellowship with Christ. You just have to ask. The last verse I want to look at today is Romans 10, verse 9, 9 and 10. It says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe that one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And that's why we celebrate Easter, is that those of us have that, that have experienced this life-saving power of Jesus Christ, that have, have understood that Jesus took our sins to the cross and rose again and gives us the, the hope and the gift of eternal life, that we are able to believe we are justified. And that when we confess, I am a sinner, I screw up, I deny you, I am not worthy of this. When we confess that to him, we are saved. Because Revelation 3.20 says, knock on the door and he will open it. And you will dine with him. Just like we looked at last week, the thief on the cross who confessed, he repented and confessed on the cross and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And some of you in this room, you might have heard that message your entire life. And just like these men on the road to Emmaus, for the first time Jesus has revealed himself to you. And you can feel it in your heart that he's calling you to him. 
calling you back into fellowship with him. So we're going to have a time of response. And I know that this can get kind of awkward for people, and so I understand that. But we're going to have a time of response, and, and, and John and the band are going to come up, and we're going to sing a song. It's one of my favorite songs ever, right? Making sure we're still doing that song that I said, let's do that at the end. Of it. Yeah. Things change. We're flexible here. But we're going to come, and we're going to sing an unbelievable song. And in that moment, if this is the first time that Jesus has opened it up to you, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Be ready to be with him in paradise. Come, and I will pray with you. You can come and pray at the altar. But if that's not, if you're, if you're not good with that yet, if, if, if you're still a little uncomfortable, I'll meet you at the back of the church, or I'll meet you up here at the end of the service. Whatever you want to do, I would love to share with you more about how Jesus can change your life, not just today, not just tomorrow, but for eternity. And if you're looking for a place to plug in and be a part of a family that all we are hoping to do is seek Jesus and make his name known in the community, then this is the place for you. And I'd love to share with you how to join our church, be part of our family. So I'm going to ask the band to come up. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a response time. And for those of you that just want to celebrate, I encourage you to stand and sing at the top of your lungs because as we've already said today, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Heavenly Father, we just pray a prayer of celebration for that, Lord. And I pray that we know that you are alive and we celebrate that. We, we pronounce that with the top of our lungs. And I just pray that there's some people in this room that this might be the first time that you've ever revealed the truth to them, that it's been opened up to them that you are the only way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through you. And it's because of this is why we celebrate Easter. And I pray that you would give them the courage to answer that call in their life, to come and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I am not worthy. But you are God. And you have the power to redeem and the power to restore power of eternity. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand with me, please. There is power in his name for the stone was rolled away mountains by
so, so excited that you were here today. And I pray that God spoke to you this morning and that we are assured that the same power that we just sang about lives in us and we can go forth from here and we can make Jesus' name famous to the nations. May the Lord bless your week this week. Amen. You're dismissed.